0: the answer
2: yes indeed it is and a great morning 10 o'clock thanks so much for joining us on this tuesday the fourth morning of the second month of the year of our lord 2020 do the uh democrats have any results yet (laughs) i've been doing a i've been doing a radio show so i haven't been paying attention do the democrats have any earthly idea who iowa voters chose at their caucuses um to have a victory heading into New Hampshire. I didn't think so. And yet, as uh, Rob Frost and I discussed, and as Brad Parscale said, and these are the people that want to run your health (laughs) care. We're a small caucus in a small state, uh, but they want to run uh, virtually every aspect of your life through health care and beyond. Uh, joining us now is our good friend on this Tuesday. Happy Kersenow Day is what we call it. Peter Kersenow is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He's a Cleveland attorney. He's a best-selling author. He's a wonderful speaker and a damn good uh, sports fan as well. Hey, Peter Kersenow, how are you?
3: you doing great, Bob. Just next week, only next week, will be spring training already. Pitchers and catchers in 51 days until opening day.
2: I knew you would know that. Uh, did you see the pictures of Baker Mayfield this offseason? No. Uh, other than uh, the commercials. <laughs> but he was po- no, he, he was at a Super Bowl party or get-together or whatever, either on a beach or in a pool or whatever, with Saquon Barkley and a couple of other guys. And they were all shredded, except for Baker Mayfield, who has suddenly developed a dad body. Um, he is portly, to be kind. He's portly, Peter Kersenow. He just had a terrible sophomore season, and instead of hitting the gym and making sure he's in the best shape of his life to bounce back from that, he looks like he has spent the offseason in a beer cooler somewhere.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's distressing, you know, especially yeah. in contrast with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, boy, right? boy, you know, because uh, they're really contemporaries. Boy, they better get, you know, look, I, he he should come to my house. I've got all the equipment, you know, I'll get him in shape.
2: Oh, Lordy, I, I, you know, I'm just so frustrated right now with everything. The Cavaliers are just an abomination. The Browns, uh, I'm not sure what they're doing with their front office. I don't know if I like with this all analytical thing. But anyway, all right, Peter Krish, now let's pivot to uh, more important things. Um, and the first one is this. In the closing argument yesterday made by the Democrats, the House managers, the lead impeachment manager for the Democrats, Nick Schiff,
0: said this. If abuse of power is not impeachable,
3: even though it is clear the founders consider it the highest of all high crimes and
0: misdemeanors, but if it were not impeachable, then a whole range of utterly unacceptable conduct in a president would now be beyond reach. Trump could offer Alaska to the Russians in exchange for support in the next election, or decide to
3: move to Mar-a-Lago permanently and let Jared Kushner run the country, delegating to him the decision whether to go to war. Pete, is Adam
2: Schiff on drugs?
3: I hope so, for his sake that would be the best explanation, but what what we have to ask ourselves, really, are we on drugs to be accepting any of this? Now, the media, at some point, you would think they would have enough self-respect that they would stop after three years of Adam Schiff's lies and fantasies, and, I mean, they're, they're proven lies. We've got them. I mean, he's repeated it over and over and over again, and, you know, if I were a media person, even if you know, I'd hope that I would be as unbiased as possible if I'm a straight news reporter as opposed to a commentator. But we all have biases. But at some point, I think that I would have enough respect for my profession and my reputation that I would cut the cord with Adam Schiff. He repeatedly lies. It's it's an astonishing, and and they are huge, bald-faced lies, transparent lies, but he doesn't get called on it. And the The Democrats will follow him off the cliff, so so be it. I think that the contrast that Trump is going to make tonight and in succeeding weeks and months is going to be stark. The Democrats have nothing, I mean, think really about the fact that The Democrats for two years kept saying, you know, vote for us, vote for us, vote for us, put us into the House of Representatives, we'll stop Trump, and we'll do all kinds of great things, and they've got nothing to show for it. Nothing whatsoever. What do they run out next year? Nothing whatsoever (laughs) this year, I mean, but next fall. So uh, you're right, I mean, Adam Schiff is a, uh, I, I think he's damaging the Democratic Party. I have no problem with that, but what I am troubled by is that This kind of performance by a House manager, the lead House manager, in one of the most grave political proceedings that the Constitution can contemplate, uh, does damage. It may not be readily apparent, it may not be visible, but it does damage. You know, it's, it's death by a number of cuts. It does a lot of damage to the constitutional structure in the republic. And now, who knows what's going to happen in the future with respect to impeachment. So uh, Adam Schiff may be a comical character, a comical-looking character. Obviously, he is the subject of considerable, considerable derision and parody by a number of shows and, and comedians. But uh, he is also a, troubling, a troubled and troubling individual.
2: Peter Kersenow is our guest. He, uh, we are talking about impeachment. We're talking about acquittal. By the way, we're having a, a party tomorrow because there is going to be an acquittal. The only question, really, is whether or not it will be bipartisan. Joe Manchin, uh, Peter Kersenow, said yesterday that he would like to offer censure because he doesn't believe that 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 removal from office and conviction is appropriate, but he doesn't like the president's conduct. He just thinks maybe a censure is more appropriate. That indicates to me when censure is not acted upon, that he is going to vote to acquit because he cannot bring himself to vote to convict on these uh, flimsy charges and this lack of evidence and also to greenlight and approve and sign off on all of the lies and the uh, terrible conduct of the uh, uh, of his uh, Democratic colleagues on the House side. So do you agree that tomorrow when the acquittal happens, and it will, uh, that, that it will be bipartisan, Manchin and anyone else?
3: I think there will be a few. It's hard to predict who it will be. I do think it's Mansions one of them. Doug Jones probably another one. There's been some speculation about Kristen Cinema, who has been very surprising. I have to say, um, she's done a lot of things that uh, I approve of. Uh, it, uh, you know, she came across, I thought, during the uh, race against McSally as a little bit of a left wing crank. But she has been a relatively, for somebody on the left side, relatively reasonable person. Um, you know, maybe one of the most reasonable Democrats. I know that's not a high bar, but um, she's been surprising. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think there are going to be some Democrats who defect. Um, we know that Mitt Romney is going to vote uh, for impeachment or to to impeach or move. I don't know who knows. I don't know what the the... Uh, what he's finally going to end up doing but I think Romney's going to be the only Republican to vote against his caucus
2: and You think he will vote Democrats. to convict? You think he will vote I- to convict?
3: I think he will. I think he's painted himself into a corner. I know he's been getting considerable pushback. Let's face it. Outside of Oklahoma, Utah is generally considered the reddest state in the union. And I know that there has been considerable disquiet among Utah Republicans and others about Romney's behavior. And let's face it, regardless of it's, whether it's Utah Republicans, Romney's behavior over the last three years has been appalling. It truly has. He has, um, first he came out against Trump during the primaries. And that was okay. A lot of us had concerns about Trump. And, you know, he was laying out a case against Trump. You know, at the time, many of us may have been supporting another candidate during the primaries. But then, immediately after Trump wins, he almost literally grovels to Trump. For an appointment, principally to Secretary of State, and he's saying all kinds of nice things about Trump. And when he didn't get that, he turned against Trump again. And then he keeps he keeps this charade going on, where that you know if it looks like he may gain some favor with Trump, he praises Trump. And but for the last year or so, he's been doing nothing but um, you know uh, I think disparaging Trump and doing things against the interests, us, trying to set himself up as the so-called reasonable Republican, uh, trying to get um, you know, strange new respect from the beltway. That's never going to happen, Mitt. If you no. haven't figured that out when you ran, uh, I don't know what is wrong with you. So, I've got a lot of problems with Mitt Romney. Many of us supported him back in 2008, we thought that, or 2012, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought he was an honorable individual. I'm not saying he's not an honorable individual, but I've got, boy, I've got a lot of problems with that guy.
2: Uh, Yeah, I do too. And and I'm going to hope you're wrong. I I won't predict that you're wrong. Uh, I'm going to hope that you're wrong. I'm hoping that he simply voted for witnesses. Um, to be able to say, look, I gave the Democrats every opportunity to prove their case. I voted for other witnesses. Um, and they, you know, it didn't come through, but I can't vote to convict on this. Or if they had been witnesses so that he could then say, we considered everything very carefully. I didn't agree with the president's conduct on the call, but it's not enough to impeach. I'm going to vote to quit. So I, I think voting for those witnesses and saying some of the other things that are against the president is a little different than voting to actually remove him from office as the only Republican in the entire Senate. I, I think that might even be a bridge too far for him yeah I,
3: you, Bob I think that's a, a smart comment, and I think that would be the the smart play on Mitt Romney's part if he has any hope of any type of viability within the Republican right. party um but I, I you know what I think he's kind of painted himself into a corner. I don't know what he's going to well let's see what happens let's see i hope yeah. i think your your analysis is a smart one. I agree
2: with you Any chance that he does a bill Crystal? you saw what Bill Crystal did yesterday. right? <laughs> I'm telling you, Trump drives
3: some people absolutely batty. And that's what I mean about Romney. I have no idea what's going on with some of these individuals. And there have been a number of people whose true colors have been revealed. And Trump has demonstrated that the kind of go-along, get-along individuals within the Republican Party, usually inside the beltway. They are staunch beltway denizens. But these guys were never really conservative to begin with. And, you know, I say good riddance. Um, If we can't rely, and I don't mean that you've got to walk in lockstep or march in lockstep with Donald Trump or any Republican. That's not the point. But we'd like to have at least some, some consistency, And a rational explanation for why all the things that you were clamoring for and begging for for the last 30 years, ostensibly the things you were clamoring for, that are being delivered by Trump like no other president in history, is now inconsequential because Trump happens to have, you know, tweets that you disagree with. You have to really wonder about how strong a conservative or what their constitutional principles were to begin with when they can so easily discard them in the face of the guy who's delivering more than any president in our lifetimes. So, you know, I've got no... Frankly, I, I try not to think about the Bill of Crystals of the world, and I think we've got to move beyond many of those. But let, me, think, let, let, of, let me ask
2: you to think about him for one more second here. We've got a break coming, so make this short. But just real quick, my friend Dr. Everett Piper, do you know Dr. Piper? Uh, from I don't okay. know him personally, no. Okay, you know of him, I know I'm of sure. It. He tweeted yesterday in response to this. It is stunning that at Bill Crystal actually thinks the party of at Ilhan, which is Omar, at Rep AOC, and at Rashida Tlaib is more favorable than that of at real Donald Trump. Socialism over a free republic? stunning that's what he's saying anybody that is willing to side with the democrats much less become a democrat because they don't like donald trump is saying that i believe in socialism that that would be better than capitalism and and free markets and huge success and jobs etc etc right. that have been that have been you know that have been the result of the trump presidency i am willing to literally give up all of that the 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 Constitution, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, reproductive uh, or uh, uh, pro life uh, uh, policies, all these other things. I'm willing to go to the other side because I hate Trump that much. That's an astounding thing.
3: It is. It is. Uh, you're exactly right, and I think Dr. Piper is right. It's, has he been
2: paying attention to what the Democrats have been saying? Yeah, yeah right. That it would seem that he is not. And you know, this is what TDS is, Peter. TDS, Trump arrangement syndrome, is exactly that. Were they really not listening to anything else other than Trump so that they can see what outrages them next? They're all members of the PPO, the party of perpetual outrage. They might as well declare it, which is exactly what Crystal just did. Peter Kirsten now continues with us right after this. All right, 1024, we continue now with Peter Kersenow, who is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, a Cleveland attorney, best-selling author, and um, a frequent guest of conservative hosts on television and on radio, and that is my way of leading into the Rush Limbaugh news. Peter, have you ever had occasion to uh, speak with uh, El Rushbo?
3: No. If not, although um, one of his close associates, um, Bo Snurdly, uh, used to work with me when I ran a think tank in Washington, uh, but I'd never had direct contact with Rush uh, okay. emails, and he has graciously, even without my knowledge sometimes, read from things that I've uh, posted on various, uh, uh, like in National Review or someplace else, but right. uh, Rush Limbaugh is... Boy, it's difficult to overstate his contribution to conservatism. And I know for a lot of your listeners, for a lot of conservatives across the country, um, he really helped me think and organize my thoughts related to conservatism more than I think any one single individual other than my own parents so all the reading I've ever done, you know, whether it be classical reading, whether it be more contemporary, the William F. Buckleys of the world, uh, the Hayeks of the world, Von Mises, and anyone else, Rush Limbaugh really helped me think through my conservatism more than anybody else. And I've been listening to him s- since the very beginning.
2: I'm so glad I asked you about that because the way you phrased it is so important. When I talked about his announcement yesterday um, of his uh, advanced lung cancer, um, I, I I praised his contribution to conservative talk radio, and 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 his contribution is the fact that he's the OG. He like invented it. He invented the format. He perfected the format over the course of years. Um, he's the reason we have the I think the best conservative lineup in all of radio. When I talk about Hewitt and Prager and Gorka and Elder and Seculo and Gallagher and so on. I think we have the best uh, overall, top to bottom, but we are all in his shadow, and we have all we all have him to thank for this. But I was just speaking of the industry and of the medium. You, I think, correctly defined it. He ha- had more to do with the advancement not of conservative talk radio, but just conservatism. The way people think, the opening of eyes to a different ideology and a way to approach things that maybe nobody had ever th- thought of before, because he has such a way of articulating those viewpoints that make it easy for advanced political experts and lay people to follow uh, You know, equally well. I think that's such an important point, Pete.
3: Couldn't agree more. You know, the the fact of the matter is, you know, you do some thought experiments, and I've thought about it for a long time. Well before he made this announcement, I'm sure many of us, those of you in the audience and, and, and you, Bob, have thought about what happens if and when we don't have a Rush Limbaugh anymore, and we get a little sense of trepidation. I really believe, and I don't know that this is overstating it, and I'd like smarter people to really think about this a little bit more, but... I'm not sure we would be where we are today in terms of conservatism, in terms of, you know, even with the Trump presidency, which is not standard conservatism, but has delivered more conservatism, in my estimation, than any president of my lifetime. I don't think we'd be where we are today. Consider where we would be without a Rush Limbaugh. He did it substantively, but it was also his style. He made conservatism cool and funny, and we'd made Fun of instead of being made fun of, as had been in the old days, I mean he made it easier to make it fun of the status quo of liberalism inside the beltway folks people on on in the media, and he defined conservatism for those of us you know for those of us who didn 't spend our lifetimes reading you know as I mentioned von Mises Hayek you know all those folks. Um, he made it understandable. It truly was like a master's course in conservatism. The guy is exceptionally bright. Um, and I've had a, an opportunity to meet some of his family members. I've never met him. Uh, the entire family is is extremely right. You know, he talks about his father all the time and what the guiding principles his father provided. Uh, it, it's It's a what a tremendous contribution he made. And also, he has spawned folks like you. Um, and the other individuals that you mentioned who are so important to maintaining and advancing conservatism and also... Pure entertainment. Rush says he's a broadcaster first. He's not out here trying to, you know, be a politician or anything else like that. He always says that he knows his limitations. Um, I don't know that he has any limitations. Uh,
2: Agreed, yeah. What what limitations? Uh, There's nothing he doesn't do well. I mean, because you're right. He's funny uh, and entertaining as well as being illuminating and, and educational and informative to the masses. He just, he does. He blends entertainment with education and information better than anybody's ever done it. And you're right. He's the reason I have this show. He's the reason why so many others all across this country do what we do because he is the true pioneer. He blazed that trail unlike uh, anybody else has ever done anything quite like it. Uh, So yeah, we are all, of course, going to pray and and, and give the very best wishes for a full and complete victory over this lung cancer he is dealing with. I don't know what the prognosis is. He called it advanced. So it is clearly going to be a mountain that he's got to climb. But um, if he attacks it, the way he uh, he does his job and uh, uh, his passion and support for this country, then he'll climb that mountain, and uh, and we'll all be there to help him. All right, Peter, we're going to get a time out here for news. I'm glad you have got one more segment in you because I want to talk about the State of the Union address tonight and what we can expect there from your point of view, and also the train wreck, the sloppiest train wreck in history, is what Brad Parks Parscale called Iowa last night, run by the Democrats. I want to get your thoughts on that as well as we continue on AM fourteen twenty. 1034, I've got Peter Kirsten now for about 10 more minutes. That is good fortune for all of us. Uh, Peter, of course. By the way, Pete, uh, it's a travesty. Uh, it's unacceptable that you have not had um, an opportunity to visit with Rush on his program. I hate sharing you, to be honest with you. I kind of get a little jealous whenever you're on any of the other shows because I'm like, hey, that's my guy. I have him on every week. You, you, you gotta ask me if you can borrow him. But I would share you with Rush because I, although I think radios would explode. Seriously, there would be so much knowledge flowing from a conversation between the two of you out speakers that radios would just uh, they couldn't handle the pressure of that. But uh, that's you gotta get on the phone with your uh, with your buddy Bo and uh, and make that happen because I would love to listen to a conversation between the two of you.
3: it would be a lot uh, okay. of fun
2: you dar darn right it would. Uh, okay, uh, Peter Kirsch, now I want to get to tonight. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, State of the Union watch parties going on tonight. I want to make sure I promote those, by the way, including the big one um, uh, hosted by the Cuyahoga County Republican Party in uh, uh, Strongsville at um, uh, the Brew Garden at South Park Center starting at 6.30 uh, tonight with the um, uh, training session and then the uh, MAGA meetup at 8.30 and watch the State of the Union together. It's a great opportunity to do that. Pete, what kind of a tone... Does President Trump take tonight in the State of the Union? Is it the victory lap of all of the one, which he deserves of all of the wonderful things that we have seen uh, in the three years of his presidency, and I won't list them all because we could do that forever. Uh, or do you think he does what he likes to say he is, and that is some counterpunching? Um, he's had to sit there and listen to Adam Schiff lie about him on the Senate floor during this trial, during uh, press conferences, during the House impeachment inquiry, and the articles. He's had to sit there and listen and not be able to do anything except tweet back. Now he has the attention of all of those senators and House members and tens of millions of Americans on live television. Do you think he goes after him or does he try to take the high road?
3: You know, uh, trump's his own person as we all know <laughs> he, yeah. you know I, you you know in the in the past whenever a Republican or any president would present a state of the union address in contrast to some momentous occasion that had just transpired it was almost predictable how that person would react and almost universally we would expect that they would take the quote unquote high road whatever that means uh, with trump you don't know and I think you know a lot of Talking heads are saying Trump is probably simply going to be a little bit more low-key, not counterpunch, stick with his record, because the record is phenomenal. It's going to take him a long time to go through all the accomplishments. But he's Trump, and even though he's unpredictable, I think there's a fair probability he's going to counterpunch a little bit. I don't know that he's going to be as acerbic as he typically is with his uh, tweets, but uh, it wouldn't be Trump. I I think Is it smart,
2: though, Pete? Is it smart? Would you advise him to do that if you were working with me? the only reason I ask that, I would defer to the President's judgment here, but the only reason I ask that is because his approval rating has never been higher. I think people are kind of galvanized they're they're rallying around him because of what's been done to him they see him as the victim he's being victimized his right. presidency is being compromised by all of this obstruction from within his party and mostly from without and i think people are like this is bull crap what's being done to him does he risk sacrificing some of that sympathetic support because of what's being done to him if he then turns around and 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 bullies back i guess that's the only reason i would ask the thing i would ask uh,
3: I, I think it's how he approaches it, but I, no, I don't think so. I don't think he jeopardizes it, because people, most people, people are open-minded, and there's an entire cadre of individuals called Democrats who have already written him off. There's nothing he can do to persuade them. And I think we're in a unique time in American history where the little sliver of individuals who are persuadable is so tiny. I think that sliver already has, to a large extent, concluded that this president has been treated like no other president in history. They look at all of his accomplishments and the big nothing burger that was presented during the impeachment inquiry in the house and then in the senate i mean there's absolutely nothing there contrasted with trump's deliverables what he has accomplished in the face of the greatest resistance since the civil war to any president it truly is remarkable i think trump has he's got a finite amount of time of course i mean usually these things go for about an hour and a half or so and as opposed to almost every previous president I can think of, he has got more accomplishments to tout than anyone else. He's got a whole list of things, and it's going to take some time to go through all those. So I think just in terms of, of logistics, he's not going to have a whole lot of time to punch back. I think it makes sense to remind people in a clever way, of the fact that this guy has a record of accomplishment greater than anybody of our lifetimes in the face of this incredible resistance and the impeachment effort. It could be an oblique kind of uh, you know, a tangential reference to it. It's the elephant in the room. Everybody's aware of it, so I don't think he's got a beat on it very much. But if I were advising him, I would say, look, be yourself, but understand, everybody's already aware of what's transpired. Most people have made their judgments related to it Emphasize what you have accomplished in the face of Democrats doing absolutely nothing, and also you were just handed a gift last night by the Iowa caucus, because it highly contrasts your record of achievement and competence, despite everybody in the world trying to tear you down, versus the Democrats can't even organize a meeting to, to vote among themselves properly. They can't even get that straight. And the incompetence displayed during the impeachment inquiry, where they just crashed and burned in an embarrassing fashion. I think that speaks for itself. So I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time on it. But a, but again, I think Trump has done very well being himself.
2: Yeah, he really has. Let's talk a little bit more about what happened last night. Pete, it's, it's, I want to read a tweet to you, if I can, from Katie Pavlich. I know you know who she is, uh, and, and I think this is perfectly stated. The Democrats, this is what they do. Whenever Democrats can't function in a system, she tweets, or play by the rules, their response is to... Isn't to evaluate incompetence, but rather to blow up that system and change the rules in their favor. The Electoral College and now the Iowa caucuses are good examples. And she is referring to Dick Durbin on MSNBC this morning calling for an end to the Iowa caucus. Quote, quirky, quaint tradition that should come to an end. In other words, we can't do it right. We can't get the outcome we want. The DNC can't tip the scales in favor of the candidate that they want or away from the one they don't want, which of course is Bernie. They're terrified of him being the nominee and getting crushed. Um, So so rather than, than fixing their own selves, they just want to dismantle the system. And Katie's right. That's the same thing they want to do with the Electoral College.
3: Right. And I think it telegraphs to ordinary individuals who may not spend a whole lot of time thinking about the details and may not articulate it. But the Democrats are, in many respects, dangerous to the the republic in ways that we've discussed for the last several years, Bob. But also, this is an, an example of that. As you indicated, if something doesn't go their way, They want to destroy that thing and resurrect something completely different in its place, but it's always moving in a leftward direction. The Democratic Party here, obviously the Democrats are concerned about power. They have a more difficult time corralling caucuses. It's it's a different environment than a straight primary election. So they want to have more control because they have seen what's transpired this year – They're concerned about a Bernie Sanders. They're concerned possibly about some other candidates, but Sanders is the one that gives them, um, you know, apoplexy. Therefore, they've been trying to manipulate the system so that, you know, whether it's with Bloomberg or others, so that Sanders doesn't get a large share of the caucus. They're going to have to deal with New Hampshire, but they want to frustrate, I think, Sanders in the initial um, test in Iowa. This is a, an example, I think, to the nation of why it is you don't want Democrats in charge either from an ideological perspective – Mm-hmm. the problems that are associated with it, but also a sheer nuts and bolts aspect of it. If you can't get this stuff right, I think there's some validity. It's not just a flippant comment to say, you know, they, they want to control health care and they can't even get this right. Because consider, we were told just a few years ago, wasn't that long ago that Obamacare was passed and all of our health problems were solved. Joe Biden called it a, you know, big blanking deal. Right. and. Just a couple of years after that, all of a sudden, we got to blow up the whole system again, as you indicated, because it's not working. They can't get anything done right. The contrast with the Trump administration and the serial successes, and on major items, everything from eliminating terrorists to negotiating these deals and negotiating just blockbuster trade deals, coming up with the greatest economy in the history of the country, and on and on and on, and these guys can't count caucus votes correctly this is really pathetic
2: you mentioned biden and i have to get a question in here on him before we go um how much trouble do you think his campaign is in right now and i asked that with yeah i, I asked that with two things to share with you one is chuck todd uh again and we know who chuck <clears throat> todd is i hate giving him uh any airtime here but um i want you to hear this
1: it is not good that that biden he's ju- it is interesting He's an afterthought in these college towns. And that is, it only, you know, he's the electable guy. But Sanders' big shot at him is, can he get young voters out? It It's not a good look if you're not even getting threshold.
2: It's not a good look when Chuck Todd, of all people, is going on live television and calling Joe Biden an afterthought. I want to couple that, Pete, with his snapping at Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show. And I don't know if you saw that or not. But Savannah Guthrie, and I don't have time to play it, so I'll read it faster. Savannah Guthrie said, do you think it sets a bad image, talking about Hunter Biden taking that job in Ukraine for all of that money with no experience, while he, Joe Biden, is the point man for American policy in Ukraine? And he said, uh, she said, is that a bad image? He said, yeah. And my son said that. And she followed up with, do you think it was wrong for him to take that position, knowing that it was really because that company wanted access to you? And Biden snapped. Well, that's not true. You're saying these things. You don't know what you're talking about. No one has said that. Who said that? And the answer, of course, Peter now is everybody. Everybody right. has said that, and even Hunter Biden admitted, no, I wouldn't have gotten this job if my last name wasn't Biden. So I'm watching a guy in meltdown mode here. He's not polling well. He's not getting uh, the support from people like Chuck Todd, who are acknowledging his failures, and he himself uh, is 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 kind of on a razor's edge here. I think his uh, his temper is about to get the best of
3: him. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Because the the media is the megaphone for the Democratic Party, and they're not going to be you know, really critical or harsh of any of the Democratic candidates, it's sometimes obscured how much problems or how many how much difficulty Joe Biden's in, but he is in a world of hurt. The impeachment inquiry did more damage to Joe Biden than it did to Donald Trump. Donald Trump's numbers have gone up, and throughout this entire inquiry, just look at the polling numbers, Biden's numbers have gone down. This has done incalculable damage to him, and he's done a lot of damage to himself simply be because of his... Uh, you know incoherence his apparent senility during the course of the campaign the problem for Biden going forward is if he doesn't do well in Iowa, we'll find out later this afternoon, I suspect, and I'm sure I, you know, he's going to claim if he doesn't do well, it's because of this big snafu and the numbers aren't correct, or whatever it may be. But if he limps out of Iowa, I think that, again, it's a long road, but he is in a lot, a lot of trouble. And if Sanders has done well in Iowa, he will do well in New Hampshire. It's a neighboring state there. Uh, you could be looking at curtains for Biden. His one... Saving race is South Carolina, where he's still polling extremely well. He has a significant base among uh, black Democratic primary voters, but that may not be enough to carry him. He has been damaged by, by the impeachment inquiry, and he's been damaged because of his performances, where he appears to be completely out of touch and very prickly. He has called a lot of people names that he's encountered. Yeah. He, he pokes people in the chest, and yeah. he says just bizarre things. It's not simply just a matter of old age. He says things that are, frankly, crazy.
2: Yeah, you know, one of the other things he did in an interview with Savannah, she was talking about what kind of, you know, a platform he would have and and, and, and how nervous that might make people, and I'm paraphrasing all of that, and he said, well, would the third term of Barack Obama make anybody nervous? In other words, I'm going to be just like I was as vice president under King Barack, Um, and so it'll be just like that. He's running on his Barack Obama uh, uh, years, and yet Barack Obama will not endorse his own VP. That, think about what that says. And that's gotta be, you know, he said, I don't want his endorsement. I want to do this on my own. Bull crap. He would love to have Barack Obama's endorsement when you look at the way he's polling right now
3: yeah that 's exactly right, and that 's the you know the elephant in the room, so to speak. I mean no one 's talking about it again you 'll never hear a discouraging word from the media, but voters get it. Where is Barack Obama on this? The fact that he wouldn 't endorse his own vp guy who he 's worked with for eight years speaks volumes, and I think uh, Biden is I, I, you know look I think it's a fool's effort to try to predict where things are going to go. A lot of things can happen in politics, but i'd be really surprised if Biden emerges as the um top of the ticket for the Democratic Party, and if he yeah. does, I think Trump is going to be salivating.
2: Yeah, and and just to hit that one final time, about three four days ago he was asked about it. He said he would consider Michelle Obama for his vice president yeah. and Barack for the Supreme Court, publicly yeah, praising them, publicly praising them, almost begging for, for a return compliment from the Obamas, especially something like an endorsement, and they remain stone cold silent, which I find really, really interesting. Peter Kersenow, uh, Pete, I hope to see you tomorrow. I know you've got to check the schedule, but we are holding an acquittal bash tomorrow uh, in Westlake at the Time Warp Bar at 7 o'clock. I know uh, your fans and our listeners would love to see you there. If we can make that happen, that would be great. Otherwise, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. Talk to you later. Thank you, Thank you Pete. Peter Kersenow joining us. It's 1049. get a final time out here and a final segment, which will be a short one coming up on AM 1420. The answer. you All right, final segment of the broadcast at 10.53. Thanks for uh, being with us again. Really massive thanks to my guests today. David Arredondo, uh Vice Chair of the Republican Party in Lorain County. That's my county. Rob Frost, Chairman of the Republican Party in Cuyahoga County. And then, of course, Peter Kersenow. And uh, really, really great stuff all the way around. A reminder, again, of the watch parties tonight. I'm going to hit this. David tells me the watch party in Lorraine County for the GOP, uh, for the State of the Union tonight, is uh, going to be at the Brew Kettle in Amherst, beginning at about 8 o'clock. So uh, if you are a Lorraine County Republican, you want to have some great conversation and share uh, the uh, State of the Union address with like-minded people, that's where you'll be. For the the uh, Cuyahoga County, the main one is at uh, Strongsville. There are others. I saw there's going to be one. Jack tells me it's in Solon, I believe. There's going to be a watch party in Seoul, and I don't have the location there, but I can tell you the one that Rob Frost told me about is the Trump Victory Leadership Initiative uh, hosting a State of the Union watch party and MAGA meetup in Strongsville tonight at South Park's uh, Brew Garden at South Park Center. The Brew Garden uh, training starts at uh, six thirty for Trump Victory uh, Leadership Institute, and then uh, MAGA meetup and watching the speech together is at eight thirty. So. If you are planning to attend, and if you're a member of the media, rather, planning to attend, you have to RSVP. So contact the uh, uh, Republican Party of Calgary County at RSVP to get there. You need permission to enter if you're going to be part of the media. And if you just want to attend it, uh, it looks like it's just free. It's free to attend. I, there were some conflicting Reports I was getting that you needed a ticket I don't think that's the case uh, I've got uh, nothing in all of the specifics Here that I got from uh, the the GOP Of uh, Cuyahoga County saying anything about a ticket You can just go to Brew Garden tonight And be a part of that uh, I, I was going to start this last segment With this song for a reason um, I didn't start it But I'll get it now You, you If you're uh, Over 40 you probably know this song Maybe over 30 I don't know Fleetwood Mac is definitely my generation and maybe the one before me. The tail end of the. To
0: my love,
2: took it down. Tail end of the boomer rubes that are out there, as Don Lemon likes to call us. Or call them. I'm not a boomer, but I guess I'm a Gen X rube. And
0: I saw my
2: I'm giving you Fleetwood Mac here. For that reason. That's what I'm calling in November. I'm calling a landslide. I bring that up now because I just got a note. Gallup has its new poll out. The new Gallup survey is out. President Donald Jonathan Trump now is at a personal best 49% job approval. In the middle of an impeachment sham. After months of insults of lies of manufactured stories of denial of due process of witnesses all being called by democrats no witnesses allowed to be called by republicans of leaks only of the most damning testimony against the president no leaks of anything positive for the president of coverage as analyzed by the media research center that literally on the network nightly news shows 100% of Trump coverage is negative 95% of Democrats coverage of the impeachment scandal meaning the managers and their arguments 95% positive I want you to ponder that They gave the Democrats literally twice the amount of coverage time than they did the Trump defense team, and 95% of that Democrat coverage was positive. 100% of the Trump defense team's coverage was negative. It's amazing Donald Trump can pull 5% of an approval rating right now with all of the lies and all of the slanted coverage against him. Instead, he's pulling at a career high, a presidency high, 49%, the highest in Gallup polling since he took office in January of 2017. That's simply staggering. And you know what it tells me? And by the way, now I don't need to close music. I'll close it myself. I'll take it. I'll take it right up to the mark. That percentage, by the way, of 49% includes 94% approval rating among Republicans. That, that too, is up 6 percentage points from early January. You know what that means? What that means is that even rhinos are coming around and supporting the President of the United States. And it looks like my landslide music is going to end there. Bad time for it, but that's okay. I'm still going to walk this thing out. because, uh, And, and in fact, I'll just go ahead and start it up again. Because I think that is going to lead to a landslide over whichever one of these demon rat nominees or candidates becomes the nominee. That's my call for November. A landslide. Thank you to Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac for taking us out with landslide. That's what's coming. Mike Gallagher's coming directly, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority.